welcome to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. My name is Joe Amari, and I'm your host for today's episode. Be sure to check out our website at bridgingchicago.com and to check out our season six episodes, as well as our, all of our prior podcast episodes. Today, we are grateful to have Michael Odongo, the founder and CEO of the Angasa Center, a nonprofit that launched in 2022 and is providing students in rural African secondary schools with communication and technology, literary and literacy resources. Michael, how are you today? I'm doing very well, Joe. How are you? Doing great. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks. So, Michael, uh, to start, you are not originally from Chicago, is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. I was born um, many years ago in uh, a small town. I would I would say at the time it was a village called Ndori, N-D-O-R-I, Ndori. And um, Ndori, I mean, if you're familiar with that part of the world in Kenya, uh, it's um, right close to the shores of Lake Victoria. I think Lake Victoria is a is a landmark that most folks are familiar with. Um, so I grew up in that area, um, went to school there, uh, went to my high school there as well, both elementary and high school in the area. Okay. And when you were growing up there, what were some of the things you noticed, uh, educationally speaking, what was your schooling like? Yeah. So the one of the things that was a challenge then and it's still a challenge now in terms of um, just access to education and of course ultimately career advancement is i would say at the time i was growing up it was more of lack of um, uh, lack of the type of equipment you'd, you'd need for uh, for teaching teachers would need for teaching students would need for learning um, subjects like physics and chemistry and biology the sciences, so to speak. So I, when I was going through schooling, everything was theory. So I learned everything in theory. Um, and, you know, if you, you know, travel in time 2022, students in that space are still dealing with a, a similar situation. And now it's more technology than not. Um, the problems I encountered when I was, I was growing up are still there. But now the, the bigger one is technology. Uh, there is no access to technology, while we know, you and I know that technology is, uh, technology literacy, uh, at the very least, is assumed today. So the, the, the problem still persists, the, those challenges still persist. Hmm. And so you have a background in, in IT consulting, working with tech. How did you transition from your uh, lower schooling into going into that field? So I, um, so I did my schooling, elementary, high school in rural Kenya. Then I, my bachelor's was in the University of Nairobi. That was the first time I stepped into a city. Uh, Nairobi is the capital city of Kenya. So I did my bachelor's uh, education there, degree in mathematics and a minor in computers. It was called computer science then. It was still more, more, mm-hmm. more theory than not. Then I worked a little bit. I worked for a few years um, in Kenya, I would say, uh, three years, then I applied for a graduate school, uh, for graduate school in the U.S. Um, and it's in the U.S. where I really, really built my interest in technology. So I went to school in Ferris State University. That's 
up north, um, about an hour north of Grand Rapids. So I went to school there um, for a year and a half, two years for my master's in information uh, systems management. Uh, at the time, I was, you know, was I was I was I picked up I picked on that degree because I was curious. Uh, by the time I was graduating, I had a good sense of what I wanted to do. Technology is why I wanted to be. And specifically within technology, what, what aspects were, were there that you found interesting that you wanted to pursue uh, professionally? Yeah, so starting off, it was generic. Starting off, you know, when I graduated uh, in uh, late 99 and uh, took a job. So I took a job, took a job with a company in Cincinnati. Um, and at the time, it was you know new to the new to the field, new to the country, new to corporate America, and and I was still a, a junior in terms of experience. So I got assigned what I was assigned. So I felt my way through technology, um, touching different things over time. So systems, um, what we would call infrastructure today, and then later on, I started working with data. Um, at the time, we call it uh, decision sciences. It became business intelligence. Now, now it's, it's data and analytics. So that's why I transitioned to that over time. I would say it wasn't until probably three years into into my career that I I landed on data, data management, analytics, and really loved it. And uh, I've stuck to that since. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's awesome, and it sounds like you were at the very forefront of when that field became rapidly emerging, not only in the United States but around the world. Hundred percent, you, you're right. So the I graduated. I was very fortunate. I was very fortunate that I graduated. Um, it was towards the tail end of the the dot com boom, but the market was still very good. Employers were were seeking employees from all sorts of areas, and I took a job right away, and. Um, uh, and just built on it. So I was very fortunate. And I, that's part of the reason I stayed. The, the job market was really good. The opportunities were very vast. And I decided to get on and, and stick with it and I've stayed. Uh-huh. And so fast forward a little bit. Last year, you started a non-for-profit, the Anguaza Center. Um, what was some of the thought process going into starting starting your nonprofit? Yeah, so... so uh, let me let me let me bring you back to where we started today. So the when I was growing up, it was challenges. It was challenges in education that that limited my um, uh, I would say education options, and if I stayed in that space, and also uh, eventually I would have challenges in career advancement if I stayed in that space, and then so today. 2022, 21st century, we know, you and I know that technology literacy, and I'm, I'm talking basic literacy, I'm talking the ability to communicate, the ability to collaborate, email, um, calendaring, those sorts of texting, social media, um, and basic productivity knowledge, literacy, in other words, that you require for, create a resume, create a document, present your ideas, those are assumed today. Uh, you talk mm-hmm. to anybody. It doesn't have to be an employee. It, has to, it can be a college. It can be a job you take. It could be um, any entrepreneurial uh, pursuit you take. That knowledge is assumed today. Nobody will say, hey, I don't think they can send an email. But 
there are pockets of our society that have not touched, you have, have children in, in, in secondary school, high school, who've not touched a device. They, they've never seen any, any computing device. They wouldn't know what to do with it if you handed it to them, right? So um, I looked at that, and given that I have technology, I've built my, my background in technology, I'm very comfortable in that space. Um, I saw that as an opportunity for me to do what I can to close that gap, to try and close that gap. And, and the, um, the beneficiary, the, the cohort we picked is the secondary schools in rural, and I always underscore rural African secondary school, because they are in the, I would say in the direst state relative to technology literacy. So I picked that as, um, as the beneficiary for Angaza Center. So Angaza Center um, has a mission to empower students in rural African secondary schools with, uh, with the literacy that we know children need to, uh, to change their social and economic fortunes. Right, and to your point, it, some of those things you had mentioned, like sending an email, creating a document can be almost taken for granted, at least domestically here, where these are things we grow up with, at least I know I grew up with. So how has the Ngaza Center gone about effectuating some of that literacy and providing access? Yes, what we do is, um, I'll, I'll describe it from different angles. So, so we have that beneficiary back there. Let me start from back there. So we have the beneficiary. And uh, by the way, today, uh, we decided to pilot this in, uh, in Kenya. So Kenya is a pilot country. Part of that, part of that um, Joe, is because there's familiarity. You always want to you know, test your thoughts, test your business, test your idea in a place that is familiar if you can find one, right? So that mm -hmm. space is familiar. So we started piloting it there. And the, the, way, the way the program goes is, so we have the beneficiary. We call them, so the student is at the center, the students in the rural uh, area, the center. Um, but we work with different, let's call them stakeholders. Uh, so we have the student, we have the school that the student belongs to, we call them member schools, and we have the teachers in these schools. We have folks we work with, uh, primarily in the United States, who um, are either uh, high schools, uh, colleges, uh, corporations, or individuals. So that, that's the ecosystem we're working with. The way the program works is, we identify a school. In the past, we had to find the school. These days, they, they sort of reach out to us. So we find a school in a rural setting. We have a, our COO is based back there in Africa. So him and his team, they visit the school to do what I call assessment, feasibility, to say, does this school meet our minimum criteria? to be a, an Angaza member, Angaza Center member school. And so the things we look at are, you know, is it, number one, is it rural? Number two, is it, um, do they have any, um, any sort of lab, any, any, any sort of that? Um, then, then we go down to, um, is, does the principal uh, have the seriousness would expect from a partner on the other end? Are they serious about this program? Is it something they would be interested in? And then once we check those boxes and more, 
um, and we say, okay, this looks like a good school. We have uh, a partnership agreement this time, a member school partnership agreement that calls out our responsibilities, accountability areas, and theirs. And they have to commit to this. Some of the schools have what they call a, a board of management. So the board of management gets involved. They usually parents. They get involved and then they say, yep, this is a program we're committing. And then we'll, the next thing that we, we have them do is we have them commit to, um, and I'll explain why this is so. So they commit to taking the Angaza curriculum. We have a curriculum that um, we've built uh, that touches those two big block areas. It's uh, collaboration uh, knowledge and uh, productivity knowledge. And we ask them if they're, if they as can sign up to having our curriculum, Angaza Center curriculum, baked within the school weekly programming. Because that's, that's the sustainability angle to what we do. Uh, if, if, we, if we can't bake into their curriculum, then we, we, we can't sustain it. It, it. it can't be expandable. So if they say yes, then we say, okay, give us three to five teachers that Angaza Center will train because that's the only way we sustain it again. So we're sort of Uberizing this, this, um, this, we're using the infrastructure that already exists. Schools exist, the teachers exist, and we train the teachers. And then once we train them, we, we train them with the express purpose that they will ultimately train their children, train their students as part of their regular weekly program. So anyway, once we, once we get all those agreed upon, then they, um, they sign uh, the agreement, like I said earlier, and then it's time for us to help them establish what we call a lab. So we establish a lab in their school. Generally speaking, one of the things they commit to is give us a room within the school that can be secured, set up right, uh, and we would in, in then bring the, the computer. So teachers are trained, they're ready to launch, then we bring the devices. So that's where uh, I'm gonna walk you back to the US where our partnership our partnerships come to bear. So this, the high schools, the, the school districts we partner with in the United States, corporations, so far it's mostly school districts. Uh, down the pike is gonna be corporations and, and individuals. Um, they donate to Angaza in kind and in cash. So the in-kind donation is devices, whether they are tablets or laptops. Um, so they donate those, we take them, we, we uh, refurbish them and then we ship them over so those are the devices that we get to the school you know we, we, we take we ferry them to the school we set the lab app after the teachers are trained and then the program is launched parents are uh, you know invited the school is invited we launch it and then the teachers start their programming and then that then and then we sort of we don't we don't peel away. What we do is we stay involved and we do monthly check-ins with the school to make sure everything is is running is running smoothly. So it sounds like throughout the process, hands-on, yes. very interactive, cooperative. Yes. And so, so I saw that you guys have a, a couple goals for 2025 and 2028 as far as um, disseminating and you know meeting objectives could you tell me a little bit about those goals yeah absolutely so the our um, our goals for our vision um, come in in two pieces one is 
by 2028, we uh, should have covered, our goal is to have covered 90% of rural Kenya. And, and the way we go about that is um, Kenya, like most, most countries back there, they sliced it in a counties or provinces. Uh, most, it would be similar to, I would say here it would be more similar to a state, right? So it's the, the big chunks of geography. So um, Kenya, Kenya as an example has 47 of those. So we want to have covered 90% of those counties, not just a school or county, but most schools within a county, the rural areas by 2028. And then the, uh, the second pillar of our vision is to have covered 50% of African rural secondary schools by, by 2035. Uh, so that's, that's, that, that's the goal. And we're tracking, very, I can talk about um, the results we have so far down the pike, but we're tracking uh, very well so far against those goals. Great. That's, that's amazing to hear. And I think that, well, I do think it sounds ambitious. I think ambition is exactly what you need to effectuate change. So I think that that's an incredible program and ideology. I wonder when, when you see this start to come into fruition, uh, what kind of personal satisfaction does that give you seeing providing that type of access that you didn't really experience growing up? Yeah, so I, I generally, you know, when I, when I, when I give my time um, or, uh, you know, get involved in any community, um, a community activity that is, is, you know, that taps into, I would say, the you know, the, the, our better angels. I try to remove myself from it. Uh, I try to make it not about me. It's about, um, let's say, the beneficiary. Uh, I can say this, though, Joe. So the, this is a belief I have, whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. I believe that uh, all of us, all of us get this thing. I call it a tickle or an itch or, or a humming noise that we all have. You know, you, you know, you're born, you go about your life, um, you succeed in whatever you, you do. Um, but there's always this, 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 this edge that says, but so what? Now what, right? So what? And I think it's part of our humanity that says, it's not just about me, it's about, it should be about others as well. So to <clears throat> me, the, the, the satisfaction I would get, this to answer your question, the satisfaction I would get from this is, um, I would get to scratch that itch, <laughs> my own right? Because I believe all of us get get that itch to a level. Um, some get it, some get that humming now. Humming sound a little bit more loudly than others. Um, so I just want to I just want to scratch that itch for myself. But at the core of when I give my time on any initiatives like this, I always try to remove myself from it. It's not about me. It's, it's the beneficiary. Absolutely. I always think that the most satisfaction that I can get is seeing someone else benefit exactly. from the interaction, someone else that can take away from it and grow because of it. And, you know, I think that when you have a group of people that, you know, embody that, it really can lead to some amazing results, sometimes even beyond what you expect when you, like you said, when you first get that itch. Yep. So, Moving forward, what are the interim steps for the next few years to try and effectuate those goals for the Enclasa Center? Yeah, so uh, we we are doing quite a few. So we're, we're building the muscle, as we call it. We're building the muscle because the 
the uh, the goals, as you, as you can tell, are um, you know they, they are they are big goals. They're hefty, but very doable, right? So we're building the muscle. I always believe in building building the infrastructure, the foundation, to support whatever it is you're going to do over time. Because uh, building the foundation on the fly is a recipe for um, for a, for a lack of success, I would say. So what we're doing right now. <laughs> is we've we've uh, instituted a board so we, we just instituted a board of governor uh a, a governing board and as a governing board we just did because those are the folks who will challenge us as the as the executives of the organization they'll challenge us they'll um, they'll help us craft you know proper direction they'll help us stick to mission sometimes you know it's very easy to steer away from mission sometimes based on the fact that for for uh, for me, I look at at um, where our beneficiaries based. There's so many other things that can be done. So you, you can find yourself steering away from your mission because oh, there's this other thing and the other. So we have a board that will help steer us in the right direction, help us um, raise awareness and raise money and uh, and and keep us on track. So we have a seven a seven person board member, uh, a governing board that we just instituted. It's made up of folks in the U.S., um, five folks in the U.S., and two in Africa. We're going to help us drive that. Another piece of our muscle we're building is we are in the process of launching what we call a student council. So these are college students who will function more like the board, but we're looking for them to, you know, give us, you know, uh, challenges with fresh ideas because they are still they're young, they're close to our in age to our beneficiary, so they will give us fresh ideas to keep to keep the Angaza, Angaza mission fresh and humming along. Um, we are also in the process of striking partnerships, so we're trying to strike partnerships with organizations that can support us not just now, but long term. So um, at the core of that will be will be uh, school districts, will be colleges, and corporations. We're beginning to. Um, to, to bring corporations into the fold as well um, to help us with either donation in kind, um, organizations that can grant uh, for uh, this type of mission. So we're in the process of building that muscle so that we can have a relatively smooth ride into to the next five years at least. <clears throat> Absolutely. And how have you gone about soliciting those partner entities, specifically corporations? Yeah, so for corporations, we're just at the beginning of that. So the way we've gone about that right now is we're tapping into, we have a, we have a number of, uh, I would say, three or four, three, I would say, uh, of our board members uh, who are in corporate, corporate America. And so I always believe in start with the connection, start with the low-hanging fruit. So they will help us through their connections to um, to nurture um, either relationships in their very organizations or relationships with organizations they know about. Um, I also, you know, I've been I've been in um, in uh, corporate for quite a quite a while, uh, twenty five years. So I have connections I've made. So we're tapping into those as well. It's amazing. And so for our listeners, what are some ways that people can get involved around the Chicago land area and beyond? That's a super question. So 
I will start with um, those, I'll, I'll describe it, but in terms of those partnership angles. So our most active partner so far has been school districts, high schools. So one of the schools uh, we partnered with earlier on is Stevenson High School out in Lincolnshire. Um, mm -hmm. And what we're doing with Stevenson, I think this is for any school districts who would be interested in, in uh, partaking in this, in this sort of mission. What, what we do with, with the high schools is uh, several fold. One is we give the students, so it's not, hey, give, give Angaza, give Angaza, give Angaza. We are also giving the students an opportunity to do what we call make those global connections. So what we started doing is we have paired up um, high school students, are usually seniors, with our curriculum. And Joe, because it's, it's, um, it's, it's basic literacy, and like you said earlier, you grew up with this technology, second, second nature to learn. So we're tapping into these high school students. We're giving them an opportunity to give back, but give back to a global audience by teaching schools back there. So they, they do that over video, the video mm -hmm. conference. So we organize video conferencing and students in high schools in the US are able to train students 13,000 miles away on the very things that we're talking about. So it's, a, it's more like a symbiotic partnership where the school benefits through giving their students uh, an opportunity to, um, uh, to volunteer and give back. Uh, and the other students on the other side benefit. But the, the biggest benefit we see is the human connection that is, that is established, that is built between these students. They are generally the same age. Um, the students in the U.S., of course, are way ahead in terms of technology. So when, when those connections are made, we've seen that students really love that. And uh, Stevenson, which is one of the schools we're working with, administration love it. And we're actually expanding that within Stevenson. So Joe, to, 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 uh, the answer to your question is for partners that are high schools, it's a really, really good partnership. It's a... Uh, it's, uh, it's a, a very symbiotic way for them to participate. And of course, um, we also would like to get devices that they have that are, I know, are out of commission that they would generally recycle. We, we would like to get those as a, I would say as a, as a fringe benefit or a byproduct of that partnership. Absolutely. And to your point with the students, uh, I'm sure that not only does that give them a positive feeling of giving back, but also probably an enormous amount of perspective as to what places far removed from the Chicagoland area have, you know, in their day-to-day -day lives and their, you know, educational opportunities. I agree with you 100%. And that's why there's something we've we've heard from the students first, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So the students um, look at it as a way to, uh, to enrich their perspective. Uh, they end up getting a very, very rich perspective through this, uh, through this experience. We've had the students, we have, we have five students in Stevenson who participated in that program since late February, and it's continuing actually, some, a couple of them are continuing through the summer uh, to keep teaching that. And we have, a, the interest we have now is larger than when we started. A lot of students want to be part of it now. So I would say for, 
um, for uh, school districts, high schools that would want to have their their seniors participate in something like this. Juniors, I would say juniors as well, uh, will welcome mm -hmm. 100%. And so for our listeners, if they want to follow you guys on social media or follow you online, is there a best place that they can do that? Yeah, so there is. So we have a, so we have a website, angazacenter.org. Um, and again, for, for anybody who wants to follow us, anyone who wants to participate, uh, always want to stress that we are so we are non-profit obviously and we are 501c3 um, as well and to follow us there is um, so we have a we have a website obviously through the website you can you can find us on LinkedIn and Instagram Facebook and uh, and recently TikTok absolutely well Michael this has been very enriching I really appreciate your time today and it's been wonderful talking to you um, I want to thank you so much for joining us and thank our listeners for tuning into this episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. Be sure to visit the Angaza Center website at angazacenter.org. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago as produced by the SATC Solutions Center. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guest. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of SATC Solution Center, SATC Law, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the hosts and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceedings.